Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. Today's episode 287 and we're going to take a look at what is called the 2007 and 2008 financial crisis. We talked about the housing bubble the other day. This is in regards to the actual financial crisis and we're going to take a look at what preceded it and what caused it. And how did our government react? And when I say our government, I mean the government of the United States of America. So just a little bit of background to this. It says the 2007-2008 financial crisis or global financial crisis was the most severe worldwide economic crisis. Well, pre this is pre-COVID-19, right? So COVID-19 actually is way worse than what happened with this. But this was um a economic crisis that was the worst, uh not including COVID-19 since the Great Depression of 1929. Predatory lending targeting low-income home buyers, like we talked about in times past, that was an issue. Excessive uh, risk-taking by global financial institutions. FYI, they were forced to on some of these loans. And the bursting of the United States housing bubble um basically caused a whole bunch of this. mortgage-backed securities tied to American real estate as well as a vast web of derivatives linked to those uh, collapsed in value. We we are aware of that. So, let's take a look at some of the causes of this. I found this to be very interesting. Or let's look at the timeline first. So, this is a little bit of the history and I love to look at different points of information in our history. So, let's take a look at this. So, this is a timeline of the major events of the financial crisis. kind of like what led up to it, how things were handled and things of that nature. So, May 19th, 2005, fund manager Michael Berry closed a credit default swap against subprime mortgage bonds with Deutsche Bank valued at 60 million dollars. The first of that, he projected they would become volatile within 2 years of the low, I guess it's called teaser rate of the mortgages expiring. Then 2006, After years of above average uh, price increases, housing prices peaked and mortgage loan delinquency rose, not surprising, um leading to the United States housing bubble, not surprising there, due to increasingly lax underwriting standards. One third of all mortgages in 2006 were subprime or no documentation no documentation loans. That was forced upon on many lenders by the federal government. and that was done by democrats. And the reason for that was because they were saying, you know, these lenders, they're saying, well, if you're not going to give someone who's black or mexican a loan, then you're violating federal law. It had nothing to do about race. It had to deal with their financial stability. So many of these lenders and these banks were put under financial pressure from the federal government because they risked being sued if they did not give out these subprime really bad loans to people that they knew couldn't pay it. Um so you have a subprime or no documentation loans uh that comprise of 17% of home purchases that year. That is quite a bit. That is quite a bit. So basically they're saying you don't have to have documentation to prove your income and then also they didn't have to put any money down. That's why this was such a bad thing, but that was the government solution. to supposedly injustice or social injustice or um housing discrimination proving your income is basic that's basic that applies to everybody equally it doesn't matter about your race then in May 2006 JP Morgan warns clients of housing downturn especially subprime 
August 2006, the yield curve inverted, signaling a recession uh, basically within a year or two. Then November 2006, UBS sounded the alarm about an impending crisis in the United States housing market. And let's see here. Then in February of 2007, stock prices in China and the U.S. fell by the most since 2003 as reports of a decline in home prices and durable goods orders um, basically grew fears within the economy. So you can't ever have fear. That's the problem. There, there was a lot of warmongering and fearmongering, and that directly impacted so many things. Um, but anyway, um, it said due to increased delinquency rates and subprime lending, Freddie Mac said that it would stop investing in certain subprime loans. Finally, right? Finally, it, it starts to wake up to its problems. Then April second, two thousand seven, New Century, an American real estate investment trust specializing in subprime lending, and I think it's securitization, filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy protection. So this proceeded um, or helped along the subprime mortgage crisis. Then June twentieth, two thousand seven, after receiving margin calls, uh, Bear Bear Stearns bailed out two of its hedge funds with twenty billion dollars of exposure to collateralized debt obligations, including subprime mortgages. Mr. Stearns said that the problem was contained. <laughs> you know that's a lie. Especially from a hedge fund, yeah, that's a lie. It's never contained with hedge funds; they just hide it. July nineteenth, two thousand seven, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, excuse me, closed above fourteen thousand for the first time. Then July thirty first, two thousand seven, Mr. Stearns liquidated the two hedge funds. Not surprising. August sixth, two thousand seven, American Home Mortgage filed bankruptcy. August ninth, two thousand seven, BNP. Parabus blocked withdrawals from three of its hedge funds, with a total of 2.2 billion dollars in assets under management, due to a complete evaporation of liquidity, making valuation of the funds impossible. A clear sign that banks were refusing to do business with each other. Also, corruption and fraud. I think that would be a bigger signal than just not wanting to do business with somebody. August sixteenth, two thousand seven, the DJIA closes at twelve thousand nine hundred forty-five and seventy-eight after falling twelve out of the of the previous twenty trading days following its peak. It had fallen about eight point three percent. September fourteenth, two thousand seven, Northern Rock, a medium-sized and highly leveraged British bank. Received support from the Bank of England. This led to investor panic and a bank run. Don't panic, folks. Don't do that. September eighteenth, two thousand seven, the Federal Open Market Committee began reducing the federal uh, federal funds rate uh, from its peak of five point two five percent in response to worries about liquidity and confidence. You're not supposed to worry, folks. Have faith in God. September twenty eighth, two thousand seven, NetBank suffered from bank failure and filed bankruptcy due to exposure to home loans. Not surprising there; they were forced to take on many loans, so I'm not surprised. October ninth, two thousand seven, the DJIA uh, hit its peak closing price of fourteen thousand one hundred sixty four. Then you have October fifteenth, two thousand seven, Citigroup, Bank of America, and J P Morgan Chase announced plans for the eighty billion dollars. Master liquidity enhancement conduit 
um, to provide liquidity to structured investment vehicles. The plan was abandoned in December. They probably realized that they're not going to get their money back. <laughs> so that's probably why they abandoned it. They're like, mm, you're on your own. So they were smart to do that. In December 2007, unemployment in the U.S. hit 5%. That's not bad compared to like Jamaica or Uganda or something, but it's bad for the U.S. Uh, December 12, 2007, the Federal Reserve instituted the term auction facility to supply short-term credit to banks with subprime mortgages. Wow, the Federal Reserve is backing up the stupidity of the federal government for forcing these banks to take on subprime mortgages. See, this is the stupidity of the federal government and the Federal Reserve. The federal government caused this crisis. They did that with their stupidity. I don't think it was intentional, but it was definitely stupid. Then you have December 17, 2007, Delta Financial Corporation filed bankruptcy after failing to securitize subprime loans. December 19, 2007, the Standard & Poor's rating agency downgrades the ratings of many um, insurers which pay out bonds that fail. January 11, 2008, Bank of America agreed to buy Countrywide Financial for $4 billion in stock. Good luck with that. January 8, 2008, stock markets fell to a yearly low as the credit rating of AMBAC, I'm not familiar with that, a bond insurance company was downgraded. Meanwhile, an increase in the amount of withdrawals causes Scottish um, Equitable to implement up to 12-month delays on people wanting to withdraw money. <laughs> so if you think Europe is better than the United States, guess again. <laughs> Ooh, Europe, um, those countries, they do not have as much money to get themselves out of problems. So just FYI, be aware of that. January 21, 2008, as U.S. markets were closed for Martin Luther King Day, the FTSE 100 in the United Kingdom tumbled about 5.5% in its largest crash since 9-11. January 22, 2008, the U.S. Federal Reserve cut interest rates by almost 1% to stimulate the economy, the largest drop in 25 years and the first emergency cut since 2001. January 2008, U.S. stocks had the worst January since 2000 over concerns about the exposure of companies that issue bond insurance. February 13, 2008, the Economic Stimulus Act of 2008 was enacted, which included a tax rebate. February 22, 2008, the nationalization of Northern Rock was completed. That's creepy. Uh, March 5, 2008, the Carlyle Group received margin calls on its mortgage uh, bond fund. That's interesting. March 17, 2008, uh, Mr. Stearns, uh, or Bear Stearns, whatever you want to call it, uh, with $46 billion of mortgage assets that had not been written down And $10 trillion in total assets faced bankruptcy, not surprising. Instead, in its first emergency meeting in 30 years, the Federal Reserve agreed to guarantee its bad loans to facilitate its acquisition by J.P. Morgan Chase for $2 a share. Again, we should not be bailing out these people. That's their problem, not the, not the American public. A week earlier, the stock was trading at $60 a share. So it fell from $60 to $2 a share. <laughs> And then a year earlier, it was actually worth $168 a share. So, um, yeah, the American people are not responsible for the failures of other people. March 18, 2008, in a contentious meeting, the Federal Reserve cut the federal funds rate by 75 basis points. 
Um, then it also allowed Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to buy $200 billion in subprime mortgages from banks. I disagree with that. Officials thought this would contain the possible crisis. Good luck with that. The U.S. dollar weakened and commodity prices soared. Not surprising. See, the Federal Reserve, they're supposed to protect our currency, and they did not do that. That's why you cannot buy out these people. That's why you cannot bail them out, I should say. It's wrong to do so because you weaken the currency. And when you weaken the currency, that affects everybody equally. Uh, late June 2008, despite the U.S. stock market falling to a 20% drop, um, commodity-related stocks soared as oil traded above $140 a barrel for the first time. And steel prices rose above $1,000 per ton. Worries about inflation combined with strong demand from China encouraged people to invest in commodities, buying, um, I guess, or I'm wrong in wording this. So people were really concerned, basically, about inflation. And they're concerned about commodities and things like that. So people started investing in, in commodities big time, especially overseas, which is understandable. Because what you need to remember is that China, I don't know if they still own most of the steel, but back then they did. China was buying up a bunch of steel, and we should have been aware of this. We should have um, deterred that because steel is basic infrastructure for most buildings. And so China has made so that even though they're communists, They make it so that you need them in order to buy steel because China bought up a bunch of steel when it was super cheap. Like think about when you're building a highway or you're building a building or anything to do with infrastructure whatsoever. Even like your house. At some point you have to use steel. Like the bigger the building, the more uh, you have to use steel because it's stronger obviously than wood. So just think about that. But we allowed China to buy all this stuff up because people wanted money. They were not taking into consideration that you can't really do business or good business with communists. There's always a catch to it. Uh, July 11, 2008, IndyMac failed and oil prices peaked. And let's see here. July 30, 2008, the Housing and Economic Recovery Act of 2008 was enacted. August 2008, unemployment hit 6% in the United States. Again, that's not bad compared to other places, but it did hit the United States pretty hard. September 7, 2008, the federal takeover of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac was implemented. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Two total failures. Uh, September 15, 2008, after the Federal Reserve declined to guarantee its loans as it did for Bear Stearns, the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers led to a... 4.42% drop in the DJIA, its worst decline in seven years. To avoid bankruptcy, Merrill Lynch was acquired by Bank of America for $50 billion in a transaction facilitated by the government. Lehman had been in talks to be sold to either Bank of America or Barclays, or Barclays, however you pronounce that, but neither bank wanted to acquire the, the entire company. So they basically did not want to take on all of that debt. That's what they're saying. Yes, we want to buy it, but we don't want to take on all that risk. That's basically what they're saying in that particular moment. September 16, 2008, the Federal Reserve um, to, again took over American International Group uh, with $85 billion in debt and equity funding. The Reserve Primary Fund broke the buck, as they say, as a result of its exposure to Lehman Brothers Securities. Um, September 17, 2008, Investors withdrew $144 billion 
um, from U.S. money market funds, the equivalent of a bank run on money market funds, which frequently invest in commercial paper issued by corporations to fund their operations and payrolls, causing the short-term lending market to freeze. Not surprising. The withdrawal compared to 7.1 billion dollars in withdrawals uh, the week prior. The this interrupted the ability of corporations to roll over their short-term debt. The United States government extended insurance for money market accounts um, to bank deposit insurance via a temporary guarantee and with Federal Reserve programs to purchase commercial paper. So again, the government is causing this, but then they're also implementing so many things that I don't think they should have done. September 18, 2008, in a dramatic meeting, United States Secretary of the Treasury and Chair of the Federal Reserve met with Speaker of the House of um, Representatives Nancy Pelosi. She's a she's a crook and she's a phony, and warned that the credit markets were close to a complete meltdown. Again, you should never operate in fear. Um, Bernanke requested a $700 billion dollar fund to acquire toxic mortgages and reportedly told them if we don't do this. We may not have an economy on Monday. That's bull. We will always have an economy. If you operate in fear, you're going to have problems, and that's exactly what he did. September 19, 2008, the Federal Reserve created the asset-backed commercial paper money market mutual fund liquidity facility to temporarily insure money market funds and allow the credit markets to continue operating. We should not have done that. September 20, 2008, Paulson requested the U.S. Congress authorize a $700 billion dollar. Fund to acquire toxic mortgages, telling Congress, if it doesn't pass, then heaven help us all. Well, you know, heaven is helping, but you don't give in to fear. This is pathetic. Whenever we have leaders in um, in our government that they don't have faith in America and they don't have faith in our banking system or our financial sector, they should not be serving in office if, if they can't suck it up. Good luck with that. Uh, September twenty first, two thousand eight, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. Converted from investment banks to bank holding companies to increase their protection by the Federal Reserve. That's pretty shady and crooked. Because um, I should tell you, they're doing something wrong if they're having to change. So again, they're not held accountable, which is stupid. September twenty second, two thousand eight, the MUFG Bank acquired twenty percent of Morgan Stanley. Then September twenty third, two thousand eight, Berkshire Hathaway made a five billion dollar investment in Goldman Sachs. And that's Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, September 26, 2008, Washington Mutual went bankrupt and was seized by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation after a bank run in which panicked uh, depositors withdrew 16.7 billion dollars in 10 days. <laughs> that's funny. That's a lot of money. Whew. Yeah, they were scared. <laughs> You're talking about that kind of money. September 29, 2008, by a vote. Of 225 to 208, with most Democrats in support and Republicans against, the House of Representatives rejected the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act of 2008. And pardon the barking in the background, that's my sister's dog,、uh, which include the 700 billion dollar Troubled Asset Relief Fund.、Um, so I don't agree with this. I think people need to suck it up and handle it, <laughs> because we're just getting the federal government involved in more and more things that they should not be involved. Um, September 30, 2008, President Bush addressed the country, saying, "Congress must act. Our economy is depending on decisive action from the government. The sooner we address the problem, the sooner we can get back on the path of growth and job creation." Well, the federal government should stop 
giving out money. That's not the role of government, and even he should know better than that. But he's a bureaucrat. He is an elitist. His family has been for a really long time. So I'm not surprised that he would say, "Hey, Congress has got to do this." Like he's putting pressure on Congress, and so he's he puts pressure on Congress via the American people, and that's not that's not what the American people are supposed to be used for. He's using basically the threat of the American public, the American people, as a way to pressure Congress. That's not what Congress is for, at all. October first, two thousand eight, the U.S. Senate passed the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act of two thousand and eight. October second, two thousand eight, stock market, um, the stock market fell four percent. Not surprised there, at all.、Um, then you have October third, two thousand eight, the House of Representatives passed the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act of two thousand eight. Bush signed the legislation that same day.、Um, I don't agree with that at all. I just, I just don't. The government needs to stay out of that.、Um, then October sixth through October tenth of two thousand eight. Um, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed lower in all five seasons. Not surprising. This is what happens whenever you get the federal government involved in banking and housing. It has no business being involved in it. It's supposed to regulate. It's not supposed to control it or manipulate it. October seventh, two thousand eight. The U.S. per the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act of two thousand eight. Um, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, also known as FDIC, increased deposit insurance coverage to $250,000 per depositor. October 8, 2008, the Indonesian stock market halted trading after a 10% drop in one day. October 11, 2008, the head of the International Money Fund warned that the world financial system was teetering in the brink, on the brink of systemic meltdown. <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna create a bank run. Thanks for that. Like these people need to learn to shut it. <laughs> They really do. They should be talking about things that are positive, not things that are negative, and how to address things. They just create fear. October fourteenth, two thousand eight. Having been suspended for three successive trading days,、um, the Icelandic stock market reopened on October fourteenth. So again, they're operating in fear, which is stupid. I don't tolerate fear. I just don't. October sixteenth, two thousand eight, a rescue plan was unveiled for Swiss banks,、uh, UBS AG, and credit. I don't know how to pronounce that. Sue, Suezy. Usually, you wouldn't think Swiss banks would have issues, but sometimes they do because they have so many international clients. That's probably why. October twenty fourth, two thousand eight. Many of the world's stock exchanges experienced the worst declines in their history. Big whoop! Stocks go up, they go down. Get over it. November sixth, two thousand eight. The IMF predicted a worldwide recession. Wow! Why not predict good things, not bad things? Like stop feeding into fear. It's just so stupid.、Um, then on that same day, the Bank of England, sorry, the Bank of England, and the European Central Bank, they. Reduced their interest rates. Not surprising there. November tenth, two thousand eight, American Express converted to a bank holding company. Not surprising there. I don't think they should have been allowed to do that. They need to suck it up.、Um, November twentieth, two thousand eight,、uh, Iceland obtained an emergency loan from the International Monetary Fund after the failure of banks in Iceland resulted in a devaluation. Of their currency and threatened the government with bankruptcy. <laughs> so if you think Iceland is a stable country, it's not. Just because they claim to care about the environment and they're part of Europe, that doesn't mean they know what they're doing. They're just as vulnerable 
if not more vulnerable to financial crisis. So that's just kind of how it is. November 25th, 2008, the term asset backed securities loan facility was announced. November 29th, um I don't care. It's just quoting some idiot guy. I don't want to talk about. Um then December 1st, 2008, um the MBER announced the US was in a recession and had been since December 2007. Oh, like people can't figure that out. Wow. This is why people don't like or trust the news. It's like they treat us like we're dummies. Like we can't figure out what's going on like at the grocery store or the gas station. I mean, that's where you see recessions happen. That's where you see inflation happen. It's things that you have to deal with on an everyday basis. That's where you see it. Um December 6, 2008, the 2008 Greek riots began, sparked in part by economic conditions in the country. Okay, Greece has been poor for a long time. That is nothing new. Their riots, I think, are stupid. Um they have a European market. They do not understand capitalism and they have very high taxes in Greece. It's very horrible, but their people vote for that. So if they don't want economic hardship, do not vote for high taxes and be careful who you elect to office. I would think a big duh would be implemented there, but they don't always listen. Here's the thing, if Greece did not have tourism and hospitality, they would have been bankrupt a long time ago, like completely bankrupt as a country. Um but they've been bankrupt financially for a long time. It's just that the EU and other countries bailed them out, and Greece is notorious for not being honest about their banking or their their books, like their accounting. And they're not honest about their currency, so not surprising there. December 16th, 2008, the federal funds rate was lowered to 0%. December 20th, 2008, financing under the troubled asset relief program was made available to General Motors and Chrysler. I hate that. I hate that. Oh, they Oh, they should have been kicked out. <laughs> they should have been allowed to fail because they are failures. Oh, irritates me because that's our tax dollars going to them, and I don't think they've ever paid it back. January 6, 2009, Citigroup argued Um I guess Singapore in 2009 would experience the most severe recession in Singapore's history. In the end, the economy grew in January and in 2010. So, Citigroup doesn't always or City doesn't always know what it's talking about, and that's CITUI. Then February 13, 2009, Congress approved the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009, a $787 billion economic stimulus package. President Barack Obama signed it on February 17th. So again, you have the federal government getting involved in something that it created. But it's making it seem like it's there to save the day when it's not. It's just making our lives a living hell financially. Because I remember this, it was very terrible. Um then February 20th, 2009, the DJIA closed at a 6-year low. Who cares? That's what happens. February 27, 2009, the DJIA closed its lowest value since 1997. Again, who cares? It goes up and it goes down. Early March 2009, the drop in stock price uh, stock prices was compared to that of the Great Recession. Um we did not have or sorry, not Great Recession, Great Depression. Just because stock prices fell and we had an economic downturn, we did not have a Great Depression here in Oklahoma. It was tough, but Oklahoma suffered way worse during the Great Depression because we also had the Dust Bowl. So this is not equivalent to what happened in times past. And that really irritates me when people equate it to the Great Depression because we have never gone through what they went through years ago during the Dust Bowl or the Great Depression. So I don't think it's right to compare it to that. 
I just don't. I think it's wrong. I think it's whining. It's whining and complaining and not telling the truth. March 3, 2009, President Obama stated that buying stocks is a potentially good idea or a good deal if you've got a long-term perspective on it. Well, he's an idiot and a moron. I wouldn't take his advice on anything. He's too wishy-washy. And he was not a good president. March 6, 2009, the Dow Jones hit its lowest level. Who cares? It it happens. March 10, 2009, shares of Citigroup uh, rose 38% after the CEO said the company was profitable in the first two months of the year. and express optimism. So, here's the thing. I think it's stupid for stocks to go up and down based on just what someone said. Because if you're I think that whenever you buy based on what someone else says or does, you're operating in fear, you're not operating in faith. And I think that is the biggest problem here. People were feeding off of fear instead of feeding off of faith. Big difference in those. March 12, 2009, stock market indices in the United States rose to a 4%, not surprising. Uh, first quarter of 2009 um a lot of things happened there was a decline in the gdp not surprising there for germany japan the uk uh was it latvia and then for mexico big whoop that's what happens at things like this suck it up suck it up april 2nd 2009 unrest over economic policy and bonuses paid to bankers resulted in the 2009 g20 london uh, summit protest good luck with that See, here's the thing. People get mad when bankers and CEOs get money, but they don't get mad at their government for doling out the money. See, that's very hypocritical. Because they're shaming the rich and they're not calling out the government for misappropriation of funds. Because to get a raise or a bonus, that's a contract. That's a contract. What the government is doing is just doling out our tax dollars like it's candy. that's a problem. Um April 9, 2009, Time magazine declared uh more quickly than it began the banking crisis is over. Well, you know, it's why did they say that at the beginning? Like don't fear, have faith. Why didn't they say that? So you can't always go with what public opinion is. April 29, 2009, the Federal Reserve projected a GDP growth. Well, good luck with that. Like you you can project these percentages all day and all night, but it doesn't mean anything until it actually happens. Like you can't project something that you think is going to happen, but then only talk about fear and doubt all this time. It makes no sense. May 1st, 2009, people pro- protested economic conditions globally during the 2009 May Day protest. Well, that's stupid. Get a better job. Get a better job. invent something. But instead, they just take to the streets. You know, there are many things that I disagree with and many things that irritate me and sometimes anger me, but I've never taken to the streets and protested. <laughs> I've never done that. You know why? Cuz I was too busy living my life and having a better life every day because I choose to have a better life. I'm not a whiner, I'm a worker. There's a big difference. May 20, 2009, President Obama signed the Fraud Enforcement and Recovery Act of 2009. Does that apply to the federal government? I wonder. June 2009, the National Bureau of Economic Research declared June 2009 as the end date of the US recession. Good luck with that because they the government caused it <laughs> with with these really bad loans. Um June 17, 2009, Barack Obama and key advisors introduced a series of regulatory proposals that address consumer protection, executive pay, bank capital requirements, 
expanded regulation of the shadow banking system and derivatives and enhanced authority for the Federal Reserve to safely wind down systemically uh, important institutions. Um Here's the thing. That all sounds great on paper, but they're not correcting the issues of what the government did. That's the problem. The federal government just gives itself a free pass. It's calling out these other people, but it's not calling out itself. Good luck with that. December 11, 2009, United States House of Representatives passed Bill HR 4173, um basically what comes before Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act. January 22, 2010, President Obama introduced the Volcker Rule, I don't know what that is, limiting the ability of banks to engage in proprietary trading. And then um Obama also proposed a financial crisis responsibility fee on large banks. Well, guess who pays that fee? It's you and me. It's not the bank. They pass that fee on to its to its um to its depositors. So you can be all for punishing banks, but when you punish a bank like that, you're actually punishing the people that have money in that bank. That is stupidity. But that is how the government works. It's very stupid. January 27, 2010, President Obama declared the markets are now stabilized. <sighs> He's an idiot. And we've recovered most of the monies we spent on the banks. <laughs> yeah, right. He's an idiot. <laughs> we'll probably never see that money again, by the way. Um April 15, 2010, United States Senate introduced uh Bill uh 3217 uh Restoring American Financial Stability Act of 2010. Again, the the government is trying to practice socialism here, trying to decide who the winners and the losers are. That doesn't work in a democracy and it does not work in capitalism. So, good luck with that. Uh let's see here. May 2010, the United States Senate passed the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act. Um then July 21, 2010, Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act was enacted. September 12, 2010, European regulators introduced I think it's called Basel um the third regulations for banks which increased capital ratios, limits on leverage, narrowed the definition of capital to exclude um subordinated debt, limit counterparty risk and added liquidity requirements. So you know Europe too late you know it it's kind of like um they're just now doing this like they should have read the writing on the wall like 3 years prior but they didn't they're very slow to acknowledge things because they're socialists at least with the united states we act a whole lot quicker then november 3 2010 to improve economic growth the federal reserve announced another round of quantitative easing uh which included the purchase of 600 billion dollars in long-term treasuries over the following 8 months. <laughs> so yeah, um the Federal Federal Reserve it's trying to stay afloat, it's trying to help, but it's not the it's not the smartest or the brightest um agency. Uh March 2011, 2 years after the I think it's the Nadir crisis, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, many stock market indices were 75% above their lows set in, in March 2009. Who cares? It, it goes up and it goes down. And then in 2011, median household wealth fell 35% in the United States. That happens. That's what happens when you mess with the market and you don't know what you're doing. Um uh, May 2012, the Manhattan District Attorney uh, indicted I guess it's Abacus, I don't know how to pronounce that, Federal Savings Bank and 19 employees for selling fraudulent mortgages to Fannie Mae. 
Um, the bank was acquitted in 2015. I was going to say <laughs> the government forced them to do that stuff. So you cannot be found guilty on something that the federal government forced you to do. So, um, Abacus was the only bank prosecuted for misbehavior. Um, that was before the crisis. Well, <laughs> here's the thing: the reason why they were acquitted again was because the federal government caused those problems and they forced these banks to participate in these loans. So many of these banks and these workers were like, "We don't want to do this." But if they if they don't participate, then they risk. Um, being taken to court for supposedly violating federal law for not distributing these loans to people that could not even afford it. Really stupid. July 26, 2012, during the European debt crisis. Europe is always in debt. They're always in debt. That's nothing new. President of the European Central Bank announced that the ECB is ready to do whatever it takes to preserve the euro. <laughs> well, Um, they shouldn't have the euro. In case you don't know, the euro is a currency of Europe. Oh, it's so dumb. So there were many European um, countries that they just wanted one currency, which is stupid because you're having to rely on other countries to be honest about their banking sector. Well, Greece, Belgium, and Portugal, and I think Spain, especially Greece, are some of the biggest problems in Europe, part of the EU. Because they are very dishonest in their banking system, and I think Italy has some problems as well, possibly France. But there, there are not very many European countries that are actually honest about their banking. And whenever you have a currency that is shared with multiple countries, you have to have transparency, you have to have ethics, you have to have morals, you have to have values. Many of them do not, especially at a government level. So that's why the euro. Is not a good currency. And I remember when they introduced the euro, they wanted the United States to be a part of it. I'm so glad we did not. Go along with it. Even Britain still has the British pound, and they are smart to do that. I don't think they're smart to be uh, part of the euro, because you're again you're having to rely on other countries to be completely honest, and hardly any of them are ever honest. It, it's just how it is. So they should have just done away with the euro. Um, in August 2012, the United States, many homeowners. Faced foreclosure and could not refinance or modify their mortgages, uh, foreclosure rates remained high. Not surprising, because they were given permission to be in very volatile uh, mortgage loans and at very not so good rates, and they could not afford it because they did not have to have documentation to prove their income. So, you know, whose fault is it when someone fails when they are encouraged to fail? So that's just kind of how it is. Then September 13, 2012, to improve lower interest rates, support mortgage markets, and make financial conditions more accommodative, the Federal Reserve here we go again announced another round of quantitative easing, which include the purchase of 40 billion dollars in long-term treasuries each month. Again, the federal government getting involved in, in a problem that it created. It's not even resolving it; it's making it worse because it's spending our tax dollars, billions and billions of our tax dollars, on something that was uh, created by the federal government, which affected the entire planet. Just think about that. In 2014, a report showed that the distribution of household incomes in the United States became more unequal. Not surprising, during the post-2008 economic recovery. Um, so. It talks about income inequality. Well, you can blame the federal government for that. The federal government claims to be about equality, 
And I do think there are some people that believe in it, but when it comes to public policy, they're absolutely stupid. Absolutely stupid. Just totally dumb. Then in June 2015, a study commissioned by the ACLU, here we go, found that white homeowning households recovered from the financial crisis faster than black homeowning households, widening the racial gap in the United States. Well, think about that. Think about that. Where do most blacks live? They do not live in good areas. Many of them are not involved in um good jobs. Many of them cannot keep a good job. Many of them are not wealthy. Well, what do you expect is going to happen when there is a financial crisis? The poor get poorer. The rich don't always get richer, but the poor get poorer. So if you're living in the ghetto and there's a financial crisis that's hit the country, it's probably going to be more difficult to leave that ghetto. Why? Because of where you live and of the job that you have and of the job that you don't have. That's just how it is. You you are I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. Well, I love what Joel Osteen says. He says you need to bloom where you're planted. It's very difficult to bloom in the ghetto. It's very difficult to bloom when you're not willing to do what it takes to get ahead. So there isn't um racial inequality or um I would say Try to think of the best way to describe this. They call the racial wealth gap. Well, if you want more money, go out and go get it, but do it legally. See, a lot of blacks live in victimhood. And the reason why they live in victimhood is because they live in the hood and that's all they know and they're not willing to change. They're not willing to learn. They're not willing to stop having babies out of wedlock. They love food stamps, they love welfare. Well, you're not going to be rich and be on welfare. Think about that. You have to earn a living, not take a living. There's a big difference in that. Then in 2017, per the International Monetary Fund, from 2007 to 2017, advanced economies reported or accounted for only 26% of global GDP uh growth, while emerging and developing economies accounted for 73% of GDP growth. Well, that's not surprising because if you have less and you grow, you're going to grow more. Duh. I would think that would be obvious. Then August 23rd, UBS uh, reached an agreement with the United States Department of Justice to pay a combined 1.4 billion dollars in civil penalties to settle a legacy matter from 2006-2007 related to the issuance, underwriting and sale of residential mortgage-backed securities. So, basically the government, it's going to get its its pound of flesh even like almost two decades later. But here's the thing, how is the United States Department of Justice how are they going to spend that money? It's not going to go to you and I. It's not going to go to the American public although it should. But they they're not going to do that. They're just not. And that's that that is the biggest problem is that you know the federal government goes after people but it doesn't repay the American public. It doesn't it doesn't repay America for the money that it took from our taxes. And that is a tremendous problem. Um let me move on to the next section. So there is a section about causes. This is very interesting. Um it says in its January 2011 report, the Financial Crisis Inquiry Commission, a committee of US congressmen, concluded that the financial crisis was avoidable. Duh. It was caused by 
Number one, widespread failure in financial regulation supervision, including the Federal Reserve's failure to stem the tide of toxic assets. Number two, dramatic failures of corporate governance and risk management in many systemically important financial institutions, including too many financial firms acting recklessly and taking on too much risk. That I agree with. Number three, a combination of excessive borrowing, risky investments, and a lack of transparency by financial institutions and by households that put the financial system on a collision course with crisis. Well, here's the thing. The government told them to do that. So maybe the government should um, uh, you know, basically take responsibility for what it did and what it encouraged people to do. Number four, ill preparation and inconsistent action by government and key policymakers lacking a full understanding of the financial system they oversaw that added to the uncertainty and panic. I think that's very true. Many people that work in Washington do not have a clue how our country works or how our economy works. They're absolutely stupid. The next one is a systemic breakdown and accountability and ethics at all levels. That's true. But they need to call out themselves on that because it, it, this started with the government. Um, then you have a collapsing uh, mortgage lending standards and the mortgage um, securitization pipeline. Well, the federal government caused that problem because they forced banks to give out these loans that, that, that they did not want to do because they knew they were bad loans. And then there was deregulation of over-the-counter derivatives, especially credit default swaps, and then the failures of credit rating agencies to correctly price risk. Um, interesting there. Then you have the Wall Street and the financial crisis um, It's I think Wall Street takes a beating anyway, but I think whenever the government claims that it's just Wall Street's the problem, wow, take a look in the mirror, government, take a look at the mirror or take a look in the mirror. Um then another issue was the high delinquency and default rates by homeowners, particularly those with subprime credit, meaning people that normally could not get a loan were given a loan and that's why it failed. Uh, led to a rapid devaluation of mortgage-backed securities, including bundled loan por- uh, portfolios, derivatives, and credit default swaps. Um, as a result of these assets um, plummeted, buyers for these securities evaporated, and banks who were heavily invested in these assets began to experience a liquidity crisis. Well, gee, you can thank the government for that, because the government forced them to participate in these loans. That's the problem. Um see here then you have mortgage I'll close with this mortgage guarantees by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac um, which purchased many subprime uh, loans um, the implicit guarantee by the US federal government created a moral hazard and contributed to a bunch of risky lending wow finally someone says it so here's the thing you get big government involved you're gonna have big problems big problems and it's the american public that pays that price it's the american people that are put on the hook for all of these financial failures and here's the thing i get there are many people they want a nice house but if it's something you can't afford then you need to look at okay how can i afford this this is why i tell people if you want to be able to buy something really nice that's great but if you don't have the money to do so Okay, you've got to put that on hold. You've got to put that purchase on hold. What you need to do is get a job where you make 2 to 3 times more money than you're making right now. There those jobs are out there. So there's really no excuse to not be successful or to be financially stable. You have to want it, you have to go get it, you have to work for it, you have to earn it. 
You're never going to be successful or rich on Section 8. You're never going to be rich on food stamps. You're never going to be rich on Medicare or Medicaid or Sooner Care or disability or you know, any of this other stuff. You're just not. Anything that is controlled or operated or subsidized by the federal government is always going to be a pathway to failure. Which means you're going to be poor, you're going to be broke, you're going to be miserable, and you're not going to have access to things that you need to have access to. So instead of being poor and relying on the government, why not be super rich and then you can buy whatever you want? I mean, it just irritates me when people use all these excuses for why they're poor and broke and they never look in the mirror and say, hey, I've got what it takes to be successful, I'm going to go for it. But instead of thinking that way, they blame everybody else except themselves. And I'm not saying that people don't have hard times. And I'm not saying that everything that happens in their life is their fault. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that regardless of your circumstances, you need to, I don't want to say own it, because I don't think you should own something that's not your fault. But I'm saying that you need to handle it. I've said this before in times past. If you're age 18 or older, you are legally an adult. Act like it. Take on that responsibility and choose to be successful regardless of your circumstances. Don't be like Europe and expect everybody else to bail you out. Don't be like China and have a communist regime where everybody's forced to be poor. And there's basically a slave trade over there. Don't be like France where they have socialism on steroids. Where nobody really wants to work, but yet they all expect to retire young. Good luck with that. So they want to be paid to be lazy. Wow. I think even their president, that macaroon guy that married his high school teacher, I think he, he is even realizing that when you have socialism, it, it creates a really bad workforce. It creates very ungrateful workers. It creates a very ungrateful nation. And they're not willing to do what's right. But I don't think he has the nerve or the courage to call them out on it. Because I don't think he wants, I don't think he can handle a tomato being thrown at him. <laughs> you know, because people have yelled at him and cursed at him when he's walking in and out of a building. And it's like, well, that's what you get for pandering to idiots. That's what you get. You pander to them and then you wake up one day and realize, oh, I can't pander. I've got to stand up for what's right. Guess what? There's going to be a lot of spoiled, rotten brats of all ages that are going to turn against you for that. So he's got a law on his plate, but he brought it on himself for sure. But anyway, I will go ahead and end it there for this lovely episode. But as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye.
Life 